Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Be busy about, but there was another one that sat at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, you have chosen to do the right thing, the good thing. And this morning we've chosen to do the good thing. Because there's a million things that could take our minds from this place right now. And I wanted to read a scripture this morning. I was up studying and just praying and just up. And it's a familiar scripture, but it's Psalms 150. But something hit me this morning that I've seen a million times, but I've never seen it. And it says, praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. That's where we're at, ladies. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellence. It's not about the way we feel. It's not about the way our life is going because every one of us has problems. It's about his greatness and his mighty acts because when we praise him, as Sister Jenny so well put it last night, or Sister Campbell, that's when God can do things is when we praise him. We're overcomers by our praise. And that's what the devil wants to take from us. He wants that. And I know I'm not the only one, and this isn't about me, but I know if he can steal that from us. But no matter what tomorrow holds, we've got to praise him. David took eight steps, and he praised him, maybe not because he felt like it. I mean, his wife was making fun of him. People thought he was crazy, but every eight steps he chose He chose to praise. There were children that walked around a wall, and because they walked in praise, that wall fell. But there were other children that walked in a wilderness for 40 years and wondered, the Bible says, just minutes from a promised land that God had given him. It's the way we walk. If we choose to walk in praise, the walls will come down no matter what those walls are. You know, I I know there's disease and there's trouble and there's problems and there's finances. But through it all, if we praise him, it's according to his mighty acts. It's his goodness. And I praise him for that. I'm going to bring Sister Campbell. I love her dearly. She means the world to me and my husband and my family. There's not many videos that we have in our home of Jericho when she was a baby that if you don't see Jenny in them, you hear Jenny's voice. And a few years back, my daughter was going through some things. And one day in the mail, a letter came. And it was from Sister Campbell. She wasn't around here. She didn't know anything. But she sent and took time out of a pastor's wife's schedule to write my daughter. And that impressed me. It touched my heart to know that somebody that I had invested in was now investing into my daughter. And one day my daughter will invest into your daughters. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And I have with great honor and godly pride to bring y'all Sister Jenny Campbell this morning. Praise the Lord, everyone, this morning. I don't know about you, but I am just kind of a little on the overwhelmed side this morning by feeling the presence of the Lord. 
There is no doubt in my mind that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Isn't the Lord such a wonderful God? We are serving the most wonderful Savior. We are serving the only wise God and Savior. He is so great. He is so mighty. I'm, I just want to say once again that I appreciate the opportunity, the invitation to come. It has truly been such an honor, and you, you may be seated for a moment if you would like. Um, I appreciate Sister Cricket uh, for calling and asking me to come, and I want to say that I appreciate Sister Brother and Sister Boyd and this church family, and I realize that uh, if you work five days a week, um, today would be your only day off, and so I realize that you could have been doing a lot of other things, maybe around your home or errands that you needed to run, but I will tell you this, that your labor today is not in vain that I believe that God will honor your sacrifice. God will honor you coming to his house. And I want to thank you for that. And um, I did not realize um, until right before church, and I haven't even got a chance to speak to her this morning. I didn't realize my grandmother was here until right before church started. I was sitting on the platform and... I was standing right there at the end of that first pew. I was seven years old, and my Sunday school class just happened to come in the sanctuary a little early that morning. I never heard him. I never heard the pastor preach. By the time we got in here, he had already given the altar call. So I don't even know what was sung. I don't know what was preached about. I just know when I walked in that morning that I began to feel the presence of the Lord. And I was standing right there when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was my grandmother that was standing right beside me. When I was a little girl, when I was growing up, my, my grandparents used to come over and visit with us on Sunday afternoon after we got done eating. And many, many times they would say before they came to the church, because granddaddy always felt like he needed to be here before everybody else was. And so... Before they would leave, they would always ask me, Jenny, you want to come to come with us? And I don't care if I was sleepy or if I wanted to go take a nap, if I wasn't dressed, they would wait for me, and I would get dressed. And I remember many, many times my granny sat right over there in the second pew, and my granddaddy would pace the church before everybody got here. And I remember having the privilege of being able to to pray with my grandparents before service and hearing them pray. And I'm so thankful for that. I wouldn't change. I would not change that for nothing in the world. It made everything worth it to me. I was here way before everybody else was. It wasn't, I wasn't here. There wasn't friends here. There wasn't anybody here. It was just me and granny and granddaddy. But I wouldn't have traded that for nothing in the world. And I'm so thankful that I have that to hold on to. I'm so thankful for the influences that I've had in my life. And I appreciate her for coming this morning. She actually, there was actually some things going on at her church this morning, but she um, chose to come here instead, and I appreciate that. Um, I, I'm going to try not to be long uh, this morning, but um, I do feel like the Lord has laid something on my heart, and I'm going to do the very best that I can to deliver that today. Um, Micah chapter 7 and verse 8 uh, I realize that it is a very familiar scripture, but the Bible says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. 
When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I just want to speak for a little bit this morning on this subject, down but not out. Down but not out. You see, we are always going to have times in our life that we are going to be down. Um, That is just part of our life. That's something that we cannot be exempt from. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39, says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. A conqueror is a defeater. A conqueror is not someone who is defeated. A conqueror is a defeater. So we may be down, but we don't have to be out. We don't have to allow our situation, our trial, our circumstance, whatever we may be going through, we don't have to allow that to defeat us, but we can allow the Lord to bring us through it and, he, and defeat it instead of allowing it to defeat us because he has given us the power to be able to do that. We just have to push ourselves sometimes to rise above it and realize that I'm not going to stay here in this situation. I'm not going to stay down, but I'm going to get up. I'm going to fight for my victory. I'm going to fight for my deliverance. I'm going to hold on to the promise that my God has given me because he is true to his word. He is true to his promises. If he said he'll do it, he's going to do it. If he said he'll never leave us or forsake us, then you can bank on it. He's not going to do it. He's not going to leave us in the midst of it and inspect us to stay there stuck, but he'll help us through it if we'll give it to him, if we'll trust in him, if we'll believe and stand on his word and trust him in the time of our trouble. Because he can give us the strength that we need to get through it. He is still our very present help in the time of trouble. He is still able to give us the thing that we need to help us to get through it. You see, God's not afraid of the dark. And there may be times in our life that it seems like there's nothing but darkness around us. And that we can't see the light. But God's not afraid of the dark. God's not afraid to come in the middle of our mess and help us to get out of it, to give us the word that we need, to give us the strength that we need, to give us the encouragement that we need. He's not afraid to come into the middle of our mess, even if it, you know, there's times in my life that I have created my mess. It wasn't something that the enemy done to me. It wasn't something anybody else did to me. It was just Jenny. I created my mess, but I'm so thankful that in the midst of that, that God loved me enough to come to me, lift me up when I was down, because God does not want his people to stay down. It is not the will of God for his people, his chosen people, because you are royalty. We are special to God. God loves us with an everlasting love, and it's not It's not his will for us to stay down. It's not his will for us to be a defeated people. God meant for us to be conquerors. God meant for us to be able to make it. And I praise him for that this morning. If he's ever made a way for you where there seemed like there is no way, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, God. We praise you for that this morning, Lord. We thank you for your mercy, oh God. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. In Job chapter 1, we find that one by one, people were coming up to him almost right after the other of telling Job of things that had happened to his family, to his livestock. It was never any good news that they were bringing to Job. There was something always going on, like they were the only ones that had, had escaped it. They were the only ones that made it out of there. But in verse 20, right after Job had just been told that his sons and his daughters had died, in verse 21, the Bible said, in verse 20, the Bible said that Jesus, that Job, fell down upon the ground and worshiped. Now he had just been told right before that, that his children had, had died. They were eating in a, in a house together. They were eating and the Bible said a wind came and the house blew and fell on them and they all died. And the only one that survived it was the one that came to Job to tell him the news. But right after that, that awful thing that had happened to his children, the Bible said that Job fell to the ground and worshipped. That was a downtime for Job. Can you imagine? I, I have children. I cannot imagine someone coming to me and telling me I'm the only one that survived. But let me tell you what happened to your, your family. But can I tell you that in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of a hard time, God can still be the lifter of your head. And God can still bring you to that place of worship. And you don't have to stay down. You don't have to be out. I'm so thankful for that. Um, Many of you may know, some may not. um, I'm going to try. I don't really really talk about this very often. Um, Maybe I I don't know if I'm wrong for that or not. But I I don't talk about this very often. um, And be honest, I, I kind of tried to talk the Lord out of it, but it still kept coming to my mind. Um, we have we have three children. Our daughter Jordan is almost fourteen. Our Will is almost twelve, and we have Mackenzie who is nine. And um, after after our son Will was born, I was told that because of some uh, health issues in my body, that I would not be able to have any more children. And so we kind of went on, we accepted that and, and moved on. And uh, in the midst of, in between that time that I was told that, we uh, had felt by the Lord that we needed to change churches. And we began pastoring the church that we are currently at now. We have been there now for 10 years. Not long after we got there, I discovered that uh, I was expecting. So that just goes to show you doctors apparently don't know everything. <laughs> um, so to our surprise, we discovered that we were going to have another child. And that was fine with us. Um, I went to an, an ultrasound appointment. I was 17 weeks along. It was just a, a routine appointment, nothing uncommon about it, whatever. And I noticed that the technician got a serious look on her face all of a sudden and I finally asked her what was going on what 
what was the problem? And she said, well, I don't really exactly like what I'm seeing here. And so I asked her what was wrong, and she explained to me that um, she was not seeing three vessels around the umbilical cord that she was supposed to see. There were only two. So we were referred to a, a specialist, and we walked into that appointment that day. The specialist began to tell us the importance of the three vessels being around an umbilical cord and the fact that she only had two. And um, he, he told us that if she survived, if, if my child lived, that she would most likely be born premature and that she would not be like other children. I remember him looking at me and he said, don't expect her if she makes it. He said, don't expect her to be like normal children because she won't be. He said that um, she would most likely have problems with her brain function. She would could possibly have problems with her heart. And the list went on and on and on of things that could have been wrong with her and that he felt like most likely would be. Because the all of the vessels around her umbilical cord were not there, she did not get all of the proper nutrition and help that she needed to grow and to develop. And so I remember walking out of that doctor's appointment that day. I was overwhelmed. I was scared out of my mind. I was hurt. I was confused. I was frustrated. Every emotion that you could possibly think of that day is what came through my mind and is what I felt. They kept a close watch on me. I had to have a whole pile of ultrasounds quite often because they had to keep track of her growth and development because they wanted to make sure that she was growing each time more than the time before. I am um, thankful that I had people praying with us and, and for us during that ordeal because there were days that I felt like I could not pray myself. Because you see, not only was I dealing with this, but we had just started pastoring a church where I didn't know anybody. We didn't know anybody at our church. Our church was already there. The pastor had resigned and felt like he couldn't take it, couldn't take it anymore because of his age. And so he had turned it over to us. We were, we were there. We were just trying to feel after the church. And I was just trying to learn everybody's name. I was trying to find my place in the church. I was trying to figure out how I was going to do all of this. And I had a three-and-a-half-year-old. I had a, a one-and-a-half-year-old at the time. And then right after we get there, that happens. And so to say that uh, my plate was a little full to say that I was a little overwhelmed would probably be putting it mildly. Um, you know, and it didn't take long through that for depression, fear, and doubt to set in because the enemy will catch you at your weakest point. And that's when he'll start messing with your mind, and that's when he'll start trying to convince you of all kinds of garbage. And the enemy had convinced me that this was my fault, that what was happening to my child was my fault, that, that I had caused that. And I remember feeling so guilty and so torn and so overwhelmed, like I felt like I could not hold my head up. It was hard for me to look at myself in the mirror. I went through a, a little phase where I, I didn't know if I wanted to get her nursery ready because I just, 
I just didn't know what to do. I was so confused. I was so, so down and so hurt, so devastated, and I did not understand. I had never, you know, here I had, I had had two children before that were healthy, no problems at all. Never faced anything like that before. And so I just didn't know, I didn't know how to handle it. And on top of all of that, you know, we were at, at a new church, and I was a little caught off guard by all of that. I didn't, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world to be a pastor's wife. And they had never had a pastor's wife before at this church because the pastor who founded the church, um, he was up in years when he had built it and, and started it and his wife had already passed away. And so the church had never had a pastor's wife before. And to some that may feel like, well, yeah, you, they didn't know any, anything, but to me, I, it bothered me because I didn't know what their expectations of me were. And I didn't know what, you know, how to fit in really. And so here I was struggling with that. And I was struggling with wondering if my child was going to live or what was going to happen. Was she going to be okay? What, what was I going to do? But I don't know when it happened. Um, I can't tell you that someone called my home and gave me, uh, thus saith the Lord. I can't tell you what happened or how it happened. All I can tell you is that God, with his mercy, came to me in the midst of probably one of the worst trials that I have ever faced in my life. In the midst of all of that, I can tell you that God came to me. God lifted me up. He picked me up. He restored that hope to me that I felt like had been gone. He restored that faith in me that I felt like had been gone. All of a sudden, I was able to get my prayers out. And all of a sudden, I was able to begin to look at things differently. Time went on, and Mackenzie began to grow. The doctor was amazed every time I had an ultrasound because he did not expect her to grow as much as what she was growing. When they started checking her, her heart, her, her brain, and all of the things that they check to make sure that the baby is okay, everything was developing on time. Everything was working out just like it was supposed to work out. She was full term when she was born. I did not have a premature child like they said that I would. She weighed way more than what they thought that she would weigh. She almost weighed seven pounds. She was six pounds and 14 and a half ounces when she was born. The hospital that I had her at is not equipped to handle any complications with babies. And so when a baby is born there and they have breathing problems or any complications whatsoever, they have to immediately airlift them to another hospital that they can, they have the skills to be able to properly treat them. And so they had already told me that um, that was a possibility with her. But I'm here to tell you this morning that there was no complications with my child when she was born. She was breathing perfectly on her own. Her, her brain is, is fine. There was nothing wrong with her. They checked her and checked her and checked her and checked her because, you see, they were so sure that something was going to be wrong. And it was almost like they were determined to try to find something wrong with her. But they don't know the God that I serve. 
because I'm here to tell you this morning, he is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. And I praise him for that. The doctor told me, the, the specialist that I went to had told me that, you know, she, she would probably be behind and not to expect her to be like other children. Normal children, he called. I was almost offended by that. Normal children, he said. But Mackenzie is in the third grade now. And from the time she started school until now, she has been in the top of her class. In her reading groups, in her math groups, I just had a conference with her teacher. Her teacher told me that she recently tested Mackenzie. Mackenzie is reading at a mid-fifth grade level. Don't tell me that prayer don't work. Don't tell me that there is anything impossible for God to do. We have just recently at our church started a, started a Bible quizzing team. Um, we have a senior Bible quizzing team and we have a junior and Mackenzie is on the junior Bible quizzing team. And at the end of each tournament, they hand out ribbons to the quizzers who have uh, answered the most questions correctly. They tally it up. The very first quizzing tournament that Mackenzie ever had the privilege to be in, because we just got this started, the very first one that she went to, she placed fourth in the quizzers for answering most questions correctly. A child that the doctor said she would not be like other children. She is like other children. We were recently in revival with Brother Stacy Thomas uh, for a few nights. And at the end of, of one of the services, Brother Thomas had given the altar call. And there was a little five-year-old girl in our church. Um, her, her mother has just recently prayed back through to the Holy Ghost, the little girl comes with her, her grandmother most of the time that, that attends our church. And the little girl walked right up in the front to the altar call, had tears streaming down her face. And I was sitting there praying with a little girl and, and, and along with some other ladies there. All of a sudden, Mackenzie was on the other side of our church. And I saw Mackenzie walk through the crowd with tears streaming down her face before she ever got to that little girl. She walked up and she laid her hands on that little girl's chest. And I'm telling you, I was sat in amazement. I don't even know if Mackenzie even saw me sitting there. But I sat in amazement as Mackenzie began to pray with that little girl for the Holy Ghost. I feel like God used her that night. Um, For one, Mackenzie and that little girl have a have a special bond because they are both redheads. And so to see Mackenzie moved in the, in the atmosphere of the Lord and God was working and moving all around and she pressed her way through the crowd, you know, she's kind of short. And so she, she was on the other side doing something else, but she thought enough to walk over and go pray with that little girl as she sought for the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, the devil's a liar. He's a liar. I, I don't regret going through that for one second. Because in the midst of all of that, I learned how to lean on him. 
you know, sometimes it's easier said than done. And, you know, I grew up singing the, singing the old hymn, leaning on the everlasting arms, time and time again, learning to lean, learning to lean on him. I grew up singing that, you know, and it's an easy song to sing. And we praise the Lord while we're singing it. But when you have to live it, that's a whole different thing. But God taught me how to lean on him because, you see, in the midst of all of this, I could not fix this myself. There was nothing that I could do to make this any better. There was nothing I could do to, to make her okay. It wasn't anything that I did. It was all God. And so I had to learn how to lean on him. And it was during that time that I learned that joy really does come in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy really does come in your morning. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the mercy of God. He is great. He is great. There is nothing worth living for other than him. There's nothing in this world that is worth living for. I'm so grateful for the hand of God. I'm so thankful to know that he still works miracles. I don't know about you. I'm so thankful to know that, that it doesn't matter what the adversary may say to me. It doesn't matter what anyone else may say to me. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the God I serve, he still answers prayer. The God that I serve still makes a way where there is no way. And I don't have to stay down when I get down. But I can get up because God has given us the ability to get up. As the musicians come and the, and the praise team come and you stand. I remember uh, growing up listening to, to Brother and Sister Boyd sing, sing a song that said, The God on the mountain is still God in the valley. And that is so true. It's more than just words to a song. But when we're walking through the valley and we feel like we're alone, when, when we feel like that we can't see the end of the road, he is the God of the valley. And he will be in the midst of it and he will deliver us and he will bring us through. We read in the word of God that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will never change. He is able to deliver. He is able to make a way. Because there is nothing impossible for the mighty God that we serve. So I, I, I urge you this morning today, don't give up. Don't stay down. When life throws you a punch, get back up. Conquer it and don't allow it to conquer you. Because you will make it through. You will. God will never put more on us than what we can bear. He's not going to leave us, and he's not going to forsake us. He's not going to forget about us. He knows where we're at, and he will bring us through it. If you're thankful to know that this morning, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just lift our hands and begin to worship him? Thank him for his goodness. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, God, for being, being our keeper, Lord, for being our provider. Thank you, Jesus, God, for coming to us, Lord, in the midst of our needs. Thank you, Lord, for always making a way, God, to get out of it. Thank you for lifting us up when we're down, when we're discouraged. When the enemy comes to us, Lord, and reminds us, God, of our faults, of our failures, of our past mistakes. Thank you, Lord, God, 
for bringing us ahead of that. Thank you, God, for being so good to your people, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We worship you, God, for who you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. To say I'm proud of her, wow. I've always been proud of her, always. And I'm thankful that her mother allowed me to have an impact in her life to whatever extent that's been. I, I just want to say I adore her. And I'm proud because when she talks about having to, to um, make a path, I guess would be a good word, in where she has been, there's times she's just had to stand alone. There's a few times when she's called me and we've tried to talk, but I've never walked in those exact shoes. And I tried to help any way I could. I can't always say it was successful, but I am proud because when I go there and I see how involved her children are, how involved she is, she doesn't take anything for granted. She doesn't expect any accolades at all. She is just to them, to us, Jenny. But she's become more than that. She is Sister Campbell. She has earned that title in so many ways, and I'm, I'm just proud of her. And it's not easy to get up and speak in front of people. And trust me, I'm outside my comfort zone any time. Nobody would believe that, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> I just sort of had a panic attack last week, <laughs> my own self, so I, I really knew how to pray for Sister Campbell. But I had something. I, I texted my son and asked him to bring me my computer, quick, my, my iPad quickly. I, I wanted to leave something with you, not to add to what she had to say because it was perfectly said to us. And, but there's just a little something that was on my heart, and I thought, I will do this obedience to the Lord because I felt it. Can you bring up the scripture, please, the first scripture? The, the um, Go down. That's it. That's the one. When I spoke last week, they had sent me a theme about... Um, turned, refreshed, restored. And so this was a scripture we went by, turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned, renew our days as of old. And I thought about that, and I wrestled with that, and I thought, oh my God, what can I say to these ladies? I, I don't know. I just wrestled and wrestled, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I went to my husband, and I talked to several people. I'm just torn. I feel like I, I need direction, God. I, I want to feed those ladies, encourage those ladies. I don't want to go all this way and do nothing, just like you felt. I don't want to get up before them and just say words. I want to help them, encourage them, and strengthen them. So God did give me a message, and I, I took from that a message, a word. I'm not a preacher. I don't claim to be, but he gave me a word. And it was, I said, I titled this, We Shall Be Turned. And I used a few things that Brother Boyd, I asked his permission to do that, and, and I used a few things in closing that um, I wanted, I thought would fit the time. I got a phone call from a young lady last week well, before that, she had sent me a text, and she said, Sister Boyd, we are just beginning, a daughter, uh, not a daughter work, a home mission work. And they are starting from scratch. And so she calls me, and she says, if I need help, can I call you? And I thought, oh, my Lord, I've never started a home mission work. I have no idea exactly how to help her. But I said to her, yes, you can call me. I thought at least I can give her a word of encouragement. So while we were on our way to Louisiana, I got that phone call. And she was in desperate need of some counseling or word 
or encouragement. And so while we were talking, God, give me the words. I don't know other than God how it came, but it came and it it helped her. And I was thankful for that. But again, I'm thinking, why? You know, who am I? I'm nobody and I'm not. But then I thought, you know what? I'm a child of God. And there's footsteps, and this is what I want to, I will read just a little bit to you, and I won't take long, but there are footsteps that we are walking in that have been left for us. And like you said about your grandma and your grandpa, left footsteps. Your mother has left footsteps, what you were talking about last night. And there are footsteps that we all have walked in. There are things in your lives, I don't even have a clue how you deal with it. You know, people say to me, I don't know, I feel bad for you, Sister Boy. Don't feel bad for me. I've never come close to going through what some of you have gone through. Never. I don't want sympathy. I don't want pity. I serve a great God. And whatever comes or goes, I just don't want to lose my praise. When I sing that, I'm singing that from my heart and from from experience. Because, like you said, the enemy will come doing all the right things. No matter, we're walking, we're doing all the right things, we're saying the right things, we're, you know, busy at the church, we're busy here, we're busy there. And what do you think he does when we're busy? He slips in, and he tries to destroy us. And I just, I thought about the footsteps, and I thought about, you know, there's never been a better time for an apostolic lady, never. No matter what trial we've gone through, there's never been a better time for us to walk. We all want to leave something of ourselves behind. I, you know, when I die, I do at least want them to mourn me a little bit. I tease my husband and my son about that just a little while, you know. And it's a joke in our house. But, but truly, you know, I say it's true. I say all the time I, lo- I want to love them so much that when I'm gone, they'll still feel that love in their, imprinted in their heart. But this is another thought. I want to love God so much. And, and serve him in a way that when I am gone, and if you're still here, you can still feel that love and that imprint on your hearts. That's footsteps. I hope I can leave those. I'm not perfect. Don't claim to be. I have many faults. And I don't get it sometimes. As, as, as much as I'd like to think I get it, I don't always get it. And so, you know, there are things that we, we want to leave behind. And I pray that you feel the same way about your family and your children and us. Because I need that. I need, you know, sometimes the ladies, as we get older, because I'm getting there, um, we, we find out we can't do some of the things we used to do. And let me tell you something. I say this very humbly. You know, playing the piano way back, I did the best that I could. And it was okay for a while. It brought us, I know my limitations, and I brought us to where I could bring us. So when God sent us people who could play, I was just, I went to my husband one day and I said, look, I know that we could be doing better, but I can't take us there. And so I said to him, I'm not, don't pat me on the back. I'm not saying that because it's not easy to turn and walk away from something that you've done for so long. It's not always easy to do. I understand that. But I, I knew in my heart that I had to step aside. I had left some steps there for somebody to follow, but they came along and did better. And they're awesome. And I have nothing in my heart but appreciation and thankfulness 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 I I don't I was just thinking God we could go so much further if I could just step aside and do it gracefully that was the thing I can't go back and be envious now I am a little envious of the talent I wish I could play that but I'm not envious of the positions they've had and and that I stepped aside I don't want like I said I don't want a pat on the back and oh you did good or none of that it's not about me 
It's about where we as a church can go and about what we as a church family need to leave behind. And I'm telling you, God has anointed our youth and our younger people and some of our younger couples, and I'm just amazed. We are a blessed church. If you don't know that, get it, because we are a blessed church. The children of Israel, um, there's a passage of Scripture that says, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch his own standard. You remember Brother Boyd preaching about this. Pitch his own standard with the ensign or the banner of their father's house. Far off about the tabernacle of the congregation shall they pitch. And as the children of Israel walked to the promised land, they had the cloud by day and a fire by night that led them. But there was something else and someone else in this journey that was important, and that was the standard bearer. Do you remember that message? The standard bearer was a person that raised the flag when the cloud stopped and started. And that was where they would pitch their tents. And this way they would know when to stop and when to start. And because of the glory cloud, they would begin to move when the glory cloud was, was there. The standard bearer would take the long flag as a sign of everyone else that there was time to move. He would take it down. So there's a generation that's coming and looking to us. They may not all be here right now, but their dust, as Brother Relly says, we can look and see the dust of them coming. And so that's why we have to pray. We have to fight. And I'm telling you, there's some ladies in here that could stand here and tell you about going through some things and, and standing for God in tough times. It's not always easy. As Sister Campbell said, it's not always easy. You know, I, I've been blindsided by things, and I thought, oh, God, you know, I'm, I thought I was doing right, and I was. And I thought I was living the life, and you think you are, and we are. We're, we're not bad people. We are striving. We're not perfect. We don't claim to be perfect, but we are striving to be better. And so I want to leave behind better, you know, for our children, and then in place they will leave behind better for their children. And so we are standard bearers is what we are. The, in Acts, you know, we all do Acts 2.38, but Acts 2.39 says, For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off. The phrase, to all that are far off, Simon Peter reminds us that there is a generation of people that are yet to walk through our church doors. So we have to walk circumspectly. This simply means that we must be discreetly, cautiously, with great intention. And I say... We need to have quiet, gentle spirits, not so quiet that we're not heard, but we need to have a quiet, gentle spirit because that touches people more than a harsh one, you know, or a better-than-thou or holier-than-thou kind of attitude. And I say we're following in footsteps of great women like Helen Upton, which you're not privileged, some of you, to know, but I'm telling you, a woman of God. Vesta Mangum, Nona Friedman, Priscilla Magruder, oh, my gosh. I've been in her presence, and I'm so humbled when we would ride in the car and God would just move on that lady, I just would to God you could have heard and felt the power that I felt. But that's a woman to follow after, not to emulate her or mimic her, but to get what she had in that love for God. Jean Johnson, Joy Haney, Nan Pamer, I could name more, but I'm just going to say these are pioneering women, prayer warriors, which you are, strong women in faith, which you are, Women of apostolic power, which you have. So these are footprints you are leaving and leading the way, showing us and them how to trust, how to pray, and how to live in troubled times because, my word, we have troubled times. By their faith and through their lives, they have shown us and are showing us how to live 
and some have shown us how to die. And I pray that I have that, what they've got in them, and can keep that. The winds, they will come. Adversity, it will come. If you haven't faced it, oh, it's coming. Is that doom and gloom? No. I just say be prepared. Don't be dismayed about it. It'll come, but as long as we stand fast in God and follow the footsteps, then we will stand. God's given us the power of choice. And today I choose to be prayerful. I choose to be loyal to God. I choose to be happy. I choose to see the good and not the bad. I choose to lift up my sister and not run her down. You know, I choose to see the good in them and not the bad. You know, that's what we have is the power of choice. And if you love somebody and you're praying for them, you surely don't have time to talk about them in a negative way or feel bad at them, you know, or look at them prancing up there. They think they're somebody. You know what? You have no idea what that person prancing might be facing, what you're calling prancing. You don't know what they've gone through to be even here in one service. So I say, if I'm praying for you, I can't do all those things. This, you know, he told the story, and I'm not going to read it about the lamplighter. Do you remember that story about in the days when they didn't have electricity? I just paraphrasing and the lamplighter would go from one lamp to the street and to another lamp and then another and another all the way down. And as he got further away, the man in the apartment upstairs seen where he had been, but he couldn't see him any longer. And so that's what I, I want to say. When we're gone, I want the generation coming behind us to see where we have been. They might not see us again, but they, they need to see where we have been. That needs to be your testimony and my testimony. And when they come up, and when the little Mackenzies come up, and she, I can tell you she's really an awesome kid. It's very entertaining to be around them. Honestly, it's very entertaining and, and a joy. I love them. And so I say, I want to leave. I love all our kids. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I have lots of grandkids. I have lots of them. I love them. I adore them. But I don't want to just you know, say that, I want them to know. I want them to see God through us. I want to know that we are leaving footprints for them to walk in. And that's what I'm saying to you. It's your responsibility. You do realize that. And you do realize that you have the, the ability to do that. Every one of us. We all do. And so when they can no longer see where, see us, they can see where we've been. A song come to me, we don't have to sing it, but a song came to me and it was Take Me Back. We renew our days of old. When I, when I grew up, I remember all night prayer meetings. I remember, you know, troubled times we went to prayer, we went to church, and a lot of times people go try to figure it out themselves, and we can't always do that. So I remember prayer meetings, so I do know where to go. There's been times when I couldn't pray when I knelt down because I was so overwhelmed, so burdened. But I knelt down because I knew it was the right thing to do. And I knelt there, and one day when I kept kneeling, I was able to say, help me, Jesus, or God, I need you. It finally came. But I knew what to do. We know what to do, but we have to teach the generation coming behind us where to go in the time of trouble. I'm telling you, they have to know how to get a hold of God. And the only way they're going to know that is if we teach them, we show them, if they see that in our in our life. But the song came to me, take me back, take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. I pray always, 
I'm telling you, always renew that first love in my heart. Create in me a clean heart. There's things I have to have, and I deal with that. I read scriptures because of my heart. I don't want anything in there that will hinder the effect that I need to have and the influence that I need to have because they are depending on us. They're depending on you. And we have a responsibility. We can act like we don't. We can bury our heads in the sand. But I'm telling you, you have a responsibility to leave. Every one of you have something to give. And so it says, take me back where I first received you. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. And so that would be my prayer that you would even pray that. If, you, if you're just a little weak or if you're just having a little overwhelmed moment, and we all have them because life sometimes is just not easy and sometimes it's not fair, right? We didn't plan, we didn't raise our hand and say, oh, pick me for whatever it is that happened. I'm sure you didn't raise your hand for all that you've been through, 31 surgeries in 20-some years. Nobody would sign up for that. Nobody would sign up for their children not to be saved, would you? None of us. But some of them aren't. It's not your fault. It's not my fault, but we do have a responsibility to pray for them. Your spouse is not here. I'm telling you, it may not be your fault, but you still need to pray for them. We have a responsibility as women of God. We cannot slack up, okay? That's my thing. We cannot slack up. Leave footprints for our, our generation coming behind us to step in and walk in, and yet theirs to come. I want to know that when we're gone, I want Sister... Maddie Tumman to know that she left some footprints and she's got generations down the road that have come and she she left us expecting us to be even better than that generation and I think that we should be so I'm saying thank you so much for the time of refreshing and we needed that leave footprints ladies leave them and, and be conscious of that. Be conscious of the little eyes that see you and hear you and watch you. And be conscious of yourself. Be prayerful in doing everything right. The enemy can slip in and he can steal your joy if you let him. But that's a choice. So remember, you have a choice. And that's my two cents worth. I don't, <laughs> sorry. I didn't want to keep you standing long. And I, I do respect that. But I'm asking you to pray that in your hearts. Take me back where I first received you. Take me back where I first believed. Renew that first love in my heart. That would be my prayer for you. And if we could just close in prayer, I think we have, do we, we have refreshments in the back. Please join us for that. And thank you so much for coming. Thank you for getting this together. We need times of refreshing. Thank you, ladies, because I agree, too, with Sister Campbell. You had a lot you have to do, and I hope... God will strengthen you and give you all that you need, the energy and what have you to get it done. But until that time, you're not wasting your time in prayer and listening to the word. So let's close in prayer and then we'll be dismissed. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, 
please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.